News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Aaron McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke and Jill Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome, Aaron. Yeah, I'm back for uh, <laughs> off and on through the summer. We'll be uh, we'll be hanging out together on Sunday mornings. There you go. <laughs> it's good to have you back. Thank you. If you have any questions for Rick or Jill, you can give us a call or a text. The phone number is the same: one eight seven seven three three two eight two. Five five. It's a bit of a dreary Father's Day. Uh, happy Father's Day! Yeah, everybody. Happy Father's happy Day! Happy Father's Day, Dad! Thank you. <laughs> happy, I think my father's listening right now, so Happy Father's Day, Father! Yeah, Happy Father's Day, Opa! Yeah. Wow. And so many other fathers out there. Yes. Yeah, fathers, I, uncles, stepdads, everybody that's kind of yep. pitching in. Pitching now, in. My dad, Rick, here is Father of the Year and Grandfather of the Year. He spent so much time getting the lake ready and getting the boats ready. And the kids yesterday were in and out of the pool and in and out of the lake and in and out of the boat and back inside the house. And um, my dad never ceases to amaze me on what he can do every day from planting trees to running into the store to solving a question to answering his emails. He's just on the go all the time. So... We appreciate you so much, Dad. Part of a normal day. A busy guy. <laughs> it's true. And he loves it and he doesn't ever complain. Just go. Exactly. Might be weirder if you weren't on the go. Yep. No, no such thing as a break. No. Yeah. Just a gas pedal. You don't know how to take a break. <laughs> I feel like a lot of dads are like that this time of year. That's just so much going on. It's summer. You get to, you only have so much time to enjoy the nice weather. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. The summer's so short. You know, we can enjoy it. And you know what? We've had some heat. Yes. Now, Jill, what do we do about our plants with the heat? I'm mean, having some rain showers in between. If we're lucky, we get some of those rain showers, but it's kind of spotty here and miss. Yeah. But well, we had the heat and then we're also having the wind. Yeah. So yes. wind and heat, especially with your annuals, your hanging baskets, your vegetable gardens, it's so, so important. And a lot of times we see a day like today and we're like, oh, it rained. My plants are getting water, but they're not getting sufficient amount of water because of the heat and the wind that we're getting. So I would suggest, especially now those hanging baskets, they're almost growing hydroponically right now. They're so, so big. So make sure that as you're upping your watering, you're watering, sometimes checking them in the morning and then again around like four o'clock in the afternoon. So I'm checking them twice, check them by weight, but you can also stick your finger in the soil up to about your first knuckle. If it's the garden, you can stick a little piece of rebar down in the soil and see if there's any moisture down there. Um, but the other thing to do as you're watering is in the morning when you're watering, mix some fertilizer in the water and some of your annuals, you can up your fertilizer when you're watering twice a day to twice a week. Okay. And uh, that will be really important as you're watering, the nutrients are all being leached through the soil. And so we need to give our plants that's more nutrients. Yeah, especially even if you use the slow-release fertilizer on the top, if you're watering that much, you may want to supplement with another 20, 20, 20, or 15, 30, 15, whatever you have. Even if you go half strength to full strength, depending on how big your plants are right now, uh, that will just make them go boom and catch up because we had a late start. Yes. It was kind of cool. So we... Or since we just talked about our summers being so short, we need to catch up. So, uh, And then also make sure that you're... N you know, a lot of people think that, okay, I'm going to water at nighttime because then my water doesn't evaporate so quickly and everything else. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to water at nighttime, especially in the garden, make sure you water in your tomatoes and that on the ground. Don't water over top of the leaves. Okay. Because that's when you're going to get powdery mildew. You're going to get... Different funguses. Funguses. Even on the grass will get funguses and that. So it, always water... Uh, so that the leaves have time to dry yet. So if you do it early in the in the in the afternoon or 
earlier in the evening and the sun's still up, at least the leaves will have time to dry off. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't go through the nighttime. Don't set your timers for 10 o'clock at night. Yes. That that's looking, might not be as helpful as that's you want looking it to be. for disaster <laughs> and lots of problems, especially in the garden. And when you're fertilizing, you never want to fertilize a dry plant. So always water it a little bit yep. first and then add the fertilizer. Um, now, some people might have new trees and shrubs yeah. and it's heat. Yeah, heat if, you, out there. if you planted new trees and shrubs, one thing you got to remember is that the, the, the soil that the, that's in those pots is a bark and peat moss mix, okay? So what happens is when you plant it in the ground and you put some nice fresh garden soil all around, you dug out the clay and you put some nice fresh garden soil around it, the roots are still like as if they're in the pot, right? Okay. They're still they're still all together. So what can happen is that when it's this hot and this windy, the leaves, because they're out in full, they're, they're basically sucking all the moisture out of that root ball and the soil beside it could be wet but the root ball just gets bone dry. So stick your finger into that root ball. If you have mulch or whatever, pull the mulch back, stick your finger right up until the big knuckles or your index fingers. So basically an inch and a half and feel if you got moisture there. If you don't, just put the water hose right at the trunk of the shrub or the tree or whatever you have and just let it trickle so that you're rehydrating that root ball as if it's still sitting in a pot. And that okay. was the key. You're letting it trickle. You're not blasting no, it. Because what happens, I'm not trying to make the soil around it wet again or the or the filling up the hole from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. I just want to make that root ball mm-hmm. wet because the soil, if you stick your finger into the soil beside, it's still going to be moist because the plant can't get, the roots aren't out there yet mm-hmm. for at least two weeks to three weeks and they can't get that soil of that nice topsoil you have there. So just a little trick of uh, of new plantings. All right, we're going to get to more um, tree questions in a few moments here from the text line. But first, we have Laureen on the line from Saskatoon. Good morning, Laureen. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Maureen? Yeah, it's Maureen. Um, (laughs) Hi, Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Good morning, yes. (laughs) Good morning. It is morning. I I, I think I phone in every year with the same question. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Hopefully we can fix it for you. I used to have Annabelle hydrangeas that were my pride and joy. Yep. And over the years, I seem to not be able to grow them anymore. I seem to, every year, I'm buying another Annabelle hydrangea. I did again this year. And so I have three in the same area, and the new one I bought is doing very good. The other two, um, (laughs) the one is uh, getting some really good leaves off of old wood, Um, say there's maybe how many stalks sticking up and only one of them is getting a nice, uh, lush leaves. Now the other, the third one has all, you know, the old wood sticking up. Now when I nick down there, it's alive. There's green in there, but I'm not, I had a few little leaves come and they kind of almost like dried up. I sprayed them with safers with insecticide and fungicide in case there was something like that. I've used the 10-10-10 fertilizer on them. I don't know, like the one, the third plant that's just sitting there with the live um, stalks sticking up several of them. I'm just leaving it right now, yeah. but I don't know. Do you, so, do you think it's going to do anything? Yeah, it, it, it will, but what you've had, you've had some winter damage, okay? So what you got to do is remember, you want to check your pH of your soil. You want it around 7, okay, on the hydrangeas. Okay. So you might have to add some aluminum sulfate to lower down to make them hardier for the wintertime, okay? Aluminum yeah, sulfate? Aluminum sulfate. And so that's what you use. You can get a test strips uh, from your any garden center across Saskatchewan usually, and you got to use distilled water when you use that test strips to 
test strips to you to, uh, to, to, or actually it's a little pill, actually, yeah, what it I is. Yeah, I have a little kit. So a little like kit, yeah. So you use the this one that you put soil in the tube and yep. then you add a yep. okay. And and make sure you use distilled water. Don't oh. use tap water. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. tap water will throw your results right out. So use distilled uh-huh. water. And then make uh-huh. sure that your pH is right. And then make sure that once you get into September after September, slow down on your watering, okay? okay. And then basically once fall comes, uh, end of October, cut the old flower heads off, but leave the rest of the shrub up there to catch snow. Okay. Yeah, that's what I did last yep. year. You want to catch snow, it's important. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you, otherwise, if you're having trouble in your spot, put some leaves or mulch around them for the wintertime. Yeah, okay. I did do that last and year. Then well, the, I do it every year. And then yeah. in the spring, cut them down in at least a third to a half. Yeah, Okay. and I did that too. Yeah, and then you should be fine. But otherwise, okay. you might just have a bad spot that that the snow melts away from, and they get yeah, winter damage. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Marina, yeah, I also it's, it's, love it's, it's, hydrangeas, and I have one on each side of my front door, and one of them does beautifully, and one of them is just starting to leaf out right now. But by the end of the season, they're both yeah. blooming great. So just oh. keep pruning them, keep fertilizing them. Sometimes it's just like it's not getting as much water on that one side or not as much sun on that one side, so it's growing at a different level. And the other one, I know that there it does not get as much snow fall on that but, one but they, plant. They like an so. east east or west or or north exposure out in where they get at least the morning and night mm-hmm. sun. They don't like up against the house on the south side. Yeah, mine are sitting in my west flower bed. Yep, that should be fine. Yeah. Okay. But and um, how often okay, so if I gave them ten, ten, ten and I, I mean I'm giving them the alfalfa pellets too. Yeah, actually I, once I you that. I'm gonna get you to switch to thirty ten ten. 30, 10, 10. 10. Yep, and okay, give it a, lead, a liter of water every three weeks mixed with the 30, 10, 10. From, from Mother's Day until you're going to stop. Uh, Mother's Day, you're going to stop on July the 15th. Okay, so if I just gave them 10, 10, 10, yep. say a week ago, how soon should I do the 30, 10, uh, 10? 30, you can, you, you, if a week ago, you could do it right away. Oh, okay. Okay. Thanks so much for your question. Back back to the store to buy some more fertilizer. (laughs) Best of luck. We'll see you again (laughs) soon. And call in next year and let us know how they're doing. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I'll keep trying. I was going to give up, but you've motivated me to give it one more chance. Okay. (laughs) Best of luck. Okay, bye. I know. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll answer more of your questions. You can give us a call or text at 1 877 332 8255. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Happy Father's Day. I'm Erin here with Rick and Jill from Dutch Growers. You can give us a call or a text at 1-877-332-8255. Craig has been patiently waiting through the commercial break, so we'll go there first. Good morning, Craig. What's your question? Hi. Hi. The, The issue that I have is with my pineapple. Okay, okay, and you have a pineapple plant? What's, yeah. what's your issue? Well, the thing of it is, is I've been growing this thing for the last three years. I spoke with Rick previously, about four or five years ago, about my mandarin. I grew a mandarin as well. Okay, and are you having trouble getting it to fruit, or is it... What, what? I don't have any fruit. Okay, so... It's, it's literally five feet wide and three feet tall oh wow it's a nice big one now one thing that you oh, can yeah, it's amazingly beautiful 
one thing that you can do to get your pineapple plant to to force it to produce fruit is um, in nature they naturally have ethylene gas that comes off of them. Sorry, Uh, I missed that. They have ethylene gas that will come off the forest floor that helps them produce the fruit. So what we can do is in our homes we can mimic that by putting a bag over top of it for about 48 hours and throwing some apples um, into the bag. So I got to bring it to you? No. (laughs) No. You can do this right in your home. Right in your home. Just throw a bag over top of it. Yep. And put some apples in it, in the bag. And those apples will give off an ethylene gas. And that will help the it sort yep. of set those, um, okay, so those fruit buddy, buds. What kind of bag do you mean then? Just like a garbage bag is fine. Like a plastic bag? Exactly. Yep. Anything that can hold that ethylene gas You can in. even use a cardboard. And then car- put big, a couple uh, apples in. Yeah, you can exactly. even use a big cardboard box as long as you tape all the edges. And then put it over top, and then and then put some apples inside that inside with the with the like plant. This, you gotta understand, this thing's humongous. Yep. Yeah. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to trap some of that ethylene gas in with that pineapple plant. Now the other thing that you'll notice on the side of the pineapple plant, you'll get babies that will grow off the side, and those baby plants, once they're about a third of the size of the plant, you can pull them off and actually have a, another plant, and then do the same thing with those two, and then those will produce fruit. Sometimes we find that the mother plant, when it gets too big, um, it doesn't, it stops producing fruit. But if we continue to pull off those baby plants, then those baby plants will be what we'll get fruit off of. But the ethylene is is pretty much key. Yeah, getting those ethylene gas because in our homes we don't have that just floating around so we need to make sure that we're putting these bags over top of them and then we we throw And then also making sure that your pH of your soil is down around 6.5 to 7, okay? Well, yeah, and I've never even tested my soil for a long time. And especially on your mandarin, make sure it's 6.5 to 7. Otherwise, and also be the bee on the mandarins. Be the bee, take a Q-tip and go from flower to flower to cross-pollinate. Okay, well, where should I be then? Where you got to be? You got to be the bee. You got you you to take a little, a little Q-tip from one of the flowers, touch the center of the flower, and then go around and rub that to the other flowers. Yeah, because you don't have bees inside your house. Oh, God. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Point the project for the weekend. Well, yeah, that's enough. And we yeah. call it a hobby for no, you. Yes. Either that, either that or take your... More confusing yeah. than I... Otherwise, take your your mandarin on a vacation out to your deck for a well, bit. no, the mandarin died. Oh, too bad. Okay. Yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. I, I didn't replant it yeah. fast enough. Okay. So yeah, okay. So now just so I've got the pineapple still yep. living. Okay. So let's do the let's do the ethylene thing and and let us know how you make out. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Thanks Craig. Thank have you. a great day. Well, thank you. Yeah. Have a great day. Yeah. We have Marnie on the line from Saskatoon. Marnie, what's your question? Hi, I've got. I'm gonna guess maybe twenty year old Virginia creepers. Yep. That are completely covering my fence. They are beautiful, and I think they're probably holding up my fence. So <laughs> Structural <laughs> creepers. I, I love this vine. The stems, like the trunks of the these, are about one inch around, okay, so perfect. they are very old. Yep. I'm getting my fence replaced. Okay. I would like to do everything I can to save them, okay. but I really need to cut them back severely. And, and, and wh- when's this happening? In a week. Whoops. Yeah, <laughs> we we should have planned that. Like normally, we would have planned that, and I would have cut them down in back in the beginning of April. Oh dang it! Okay, Th- that okay. would have been the best. 
But you okay. can pull them off the fence and kind of just push them yeah. back if you can. Yeah, you can you can kind of pull them back and try to you know take them start at the at the at the base and then pull them back so that you keep as many of the leaves as you can. It's going to okay. be fairly forgiving. I just don't want to cut that big one inch trunk. Okay. No, I don't want to either. Okay, all your little would, branches up top, I'm not worried about. Okay. That's okay. That's so, what I was wondering yeah. if I could just give them kind of a severe like they yeah. are literally yeah. no, all the way down to the ground on the other side of the fence yeah. it, it's and so, what i was thinking of doing was trimming at least the outside of the fence yeah no you can trim what's left you can trim if i can save it yeah trim quite a bit but make sure that on this your side of the fence where the trunks are on Yep. Pull, pull, get get as much leaves and lay it onto the ground and try to keep it, you know, as so that it has so it has leaves to be able to 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 be able to live. Okay, yet. Okay. okay? You don't want to okay. cut it down. You don't want to cut it down just the stump. Okay, that you want to leave part of it as much as you can, which you yep. can on your side. The others, all the little branches at the top and other side. Don't worry about those. Okay. The other, I just have one more quick one. Sure. I have massive. Uh, I don't know, 20 to 30 foot cedars outside my house. Yep. And the Virginia is actually crawling up these cedars. Yep. Um, Trim those out. Do I just rip it out? Yep. Like, just take some some pruners and just cut them out and then pull them out because otherwise your your cedar is going to get thinner because it's going to stop all the light getting into your cedar and you're going to have a whole bunch of brown spots. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling. Thank you. I know. All right, we are going to get to a text before we go to our uh, news break here. This is from Sarah and Colonze. Is it better to cut off dead branches from mature zero green ash and tamar and tamarack trees? If they're if they're dead, you can prune them anytime. Okay, okay that that's just the key. If they're dead, they can prune them anytime. If if they're green, then there's times you want to prune and not prune. Uh, but if if they're just totally dead, if you got some green ash that have no no no. Um, Life in life them. in them at all. Do a scratch uh, test. Do a scratch test because I have some green ashes that are just starting to bud out now, actually, mm-hmm. around the garden center, and so uh, they do, there's they do that every once in a while where they just come out late. They just say, "I'm still on vacation. I'm, I'm not." <laughs> you ready. have to be a little more patient I'm not ready sometimes. To do some work yet and growing. <laughs> so, uh, but other than that, just give them the nick with the pruners, and if it's brown underneath, trim it off. All right, perfect. We will get to more of your questions uh, right after the news. Perry waiting on the line in Weyburn. You'll be first on the list. You can give us a call or text at 1-877-332-8255. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. If you have any questions, you can give us a call or a text at 1-877-332-8255. We have uh, a few texts on the text line here that we can get to. Uh, we'll start off with this one from Lane in Regina. About five or six years ago, I bought a mountain ash and planted it in a spot that gets lots of sun. In those five years, that tree looks beautiful and looks like it's having no problem. However, it does not seem to be growing at all. Is there anything I can do to kickstart this tree into growing a bit? Yeah, fertilizing. Yeah, obviously that area there is is probably, you know, not as much topsoil in or whatever, not as much nutrients in the soil. So all trees, just like us, you know, I always tell people I don't get it. I have to eat three times a day. 
<laughs> it's weird, yeah. It's weird, you know. So, a vitamin, if you will. <laughs> yeah. So plants until until basically you hand the keys over to the new owner of the home, mm-hmm. uh, you got to fertilize that tree no matter how old it is. And so you're going to start. Uh, like I always say start at Mother's Day and then quit around July the fifteenth, approximately every three weeks. Uh, give it a shot of fertilizer. If that tree is probably be quite a few years old, so I'd be using about at least. Um, Mountain ash, how old? Is it four years old? Uh, it said about five or six years five ago. Five or six years old. So, yeah, so it, it had, but it hasn't grown very much. So, I would, I would use at least four liters of water. Okay. Okay. If, it's, if it has a trunk on it that's a four inches in diameter, then you can go up to eight liters of water mixed with a fertilizer around the drip line of the tree, which is out not at the trunk, but out at the edge where the branches, uh, at the edge of the branches straight down the ground. So, that might be in the grass. Okay. It might be in the flower bed, might be wherever. And so that's, it might be in the neighbor's yard. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully you're friends with the neighbors. (laughs) And so if you do that, you'll get, you'll get lots of growth from May, uh, Mother's Day until July the 15th, every three weeks. All right, perfect. We have Brenda in Saskatoon. My peonies are full of buds. Going to be a show wondering about ants covering the buds. Are ants good or bad? Well, ants actually aren't a problem with the peonies. The ants are actually um, after the aphids that are on the peonies. Oh. So if you're wanting to control the ants on your peony buds, what you got to do is control the aphids on your peony buds first. So spraying them with Endol is probably the best thing to do. Um, it's just an insecticidal soap with canola oil on them. Then you're not going to harm those, put any harsh chemicals yeah. that's going to harm those flowers. So mm-hmm. that's the best thing that you can do. But those ants, they're going after the peonies. Now, another thing you can do is ants don't like mint. So sometimes oh. what I'll do is I'll plant some mint in front of my peonies too, and then that will deter the ants as well. Yeah, or you get some praying mantis or something like that. Some yeah. insects that go around the yard and they eat all the aphids, okay? Because remember, ants don't eat aphids. They actually milk them like dairy cattle. Mm-hmm. They grab the, the, as the ants excrete the sap that are sucking from the buds or the leaves, the, an, the ants basically take that excrement and take it down to the nest for food. Okay, so a couple of different things they can try. Yep. yep. And right now is the perfect time to get praying mantis and release them. My daughter's is about to hatch, um, so we're excited. She's got like the the birthday of her praying mantis that we're gonna have, and so it's been sitting in our kitchen window, and it's gonna be time to release it. But our nighttime temperatures are now warm enough that yep. we want to put those praying mantis out, and uh, they will clean up our yards for us. Pretty cool. Um, we have Tom in Choiceland with a question about fruit trees. Good morning, Tom. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Oh, I was just wondering about um, what would be like good, like cherry trees or uh, what kind of fruit trees to grow around the Choiceland area, like Neptune Choiceland. Yep. What you can do is you can do the sour cherries. They'll do just fine. Uh, and there's lots of them. You just leave room for them because they do sucker a little bit. So leave room for them. Uh, they could use a romance series there that uh, like the Cupid, Valentine, uh, Crimson Passion, Carmen, uh, Carmen Jewel, any one of those ones you can put there, they'll, they'll produce tons of fruit for you. If you want a sweet cherry, go with a Nanking Cherry, or another one's called Pink Candles Nanking Cherry, and they will do good. Otherwise, if you want a little bigger tree, you can, do, you can go with the Opata or the Manor Plum Cherry. And they have a nice, nice about one inch round uh, cherry and with a pit in it, and they're just nice and sweet and just uh, lots of them as well. All right. So is it a good thing then to uh, maybe go online and look at, um, like, because these guys are making them uh, in the university, right? Yep, that, that's, the, that's the romance series of the Sour Cherry. Yeah. Yep. They will do just fine up there. And they're self-pollinating, so you only need one. 
Whereas if you go with the Nanking cherry or the, or the Opata cherry, you have to have two crossed. You have to have two different plants so that they can cross pollinate. Uh, so the, yeah, it's the best one to go with the one. Yeah, yeah. If you go with the sour cherry, they're self pollinating. Works really well. And how big do they get? You're looking at about six to eight feet tall, depending which variety you get, and uh, like and lot tons of cherries. Okay. Well, yeah, that'd be good, eh? Make some jam. Make some beautiful <laughs> jam, and you could even eat them fresh if you just like your face puckered up just a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, my sister's like that. She likes sours. <laughs> there you go. And I just had one other question yep. there about, um, yeah, you guys were talking about, like, aphids and stuff, right? Yep. So I, I know before, in other years, they were saying about buying ladybugs or whatever yep. and releasing them in your garden or wherever, right? Yeah, the problem the last couple of years is ladybugs haven't been available. The forest fires have gotten them. Yeah, and, and they're supposed to be able... I, I heard that we might get be able to get some ladybugs in the beginning of July. Okay. So I'll have to see. They haven't told us for sure yet, but they might become available at the beginning of July, so we might have them then. And yeah, I was just wondering where I could get them, like around in PA or like Prince Albert area. Yeah, in there you just have to check which garden centers might have them. Uh, PA, you don't have very much for garden centers there, so um, uh, you just have to. You might just have to order them online, or you can check with us and have a drive into Saskatoon and come pick some up. Then we'll have them on our website as well. So. Yep. Oh yes, and and then now, yeah, and you guys were just talking about this praying mantis. Well, is that yep. the new way to go then instead that's, of the ladybugs? That's a that's a new way. Those things those things will eat lots of bugs. So they'll even and 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 one thing about them is that they can't make our winters. So a lot of people like it that way. That the, after the winter after the summer's gone, they're gone. So and then you put new ones out next year again. Well, yeah. Well, that yeah. sounds maybe like the new way to go. Yeah, but they eat, they eat lots of bugs. But the one thing about praying mantis, I mean, ladybugs mainly go after aphids, right? But praying prey mantis go after a whole bunch of other insects. So they're they're they're, they're kind of cool. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's a better way to go. Then there you go. Try something new. Try something yep. new. <laughs> Thanks so much for your call, Tom. Okay, thank you very much, you okay. guys. I, I really appreciate your show. It's a really good show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we'll get to a couple of texts before we take a quick break. This one is from Rosanda in Estevan. Our water is high alkaline, turning the soil white in the garden. What do you suggest we do? Well, we're going to need to... Well, first of all, you want to watch your watering, okay? Make sure you use some gypsum in, in your garden, okay? You can even work gypsum in between the rows right now if you want, and that'll just help aerate and loosen up the soil. And also adding some... Checking your pH, getting a test kit, checking your pH, because I imagine alkaline, your pH is going to be like... Mm-hmm. Off the charts. Off the charts. <laughs> so then you want to use some sulfur or some linoleum sulfate, okay? And then, and then um, that will help bring the pH down. Otherwise, your plants won't do very well. Okay, so um, otherwise, you may have to actually put some raised gardens in. Uh, so build some boxes mm-hmm. and put some new topsoil that you bring in. And collect the rainwater, too. If you're yep. finding it's your water, that's the problem. Use rainwater yep. with the rain barrels, and yep. then yes. you can water that way, too. Yep. Okay. And just don't overwater. Water as much as you need, because alkaline soil, the more you water, the more issues you're going to have. Okay, so... So just make sure that you're sticking your finger in the soil and watering when the plants need the water, just not on a timer whenever. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the key. All right. We will take more of your questions in uh, just a couple minutes. You can give us a call or text at one 332 8255 This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. 
Good morning. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendijk from Dutch Growers. Happy Father's Day. It's Father's Day. Yep. And one thing I'm noticing is more men coming into the garden center around yeah. Father's Day with their kids to maybe plant a tree oh, that's in a good their idea. yard or yeah. pick up some hops because they've um, started a beer making um, hobby in their yard. So they're buying some different types of hops for their yard. You know, and so, if you don't have room for a tree, you know, like you have all these communities right across Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. I was just I was in Dundurn the other day, and uh, and they're planting some trees down their main street there, because a lot of the older trees are starting to get really old mm-hmm. yeah. and starting to die off. So you know what? You can just talk to your town manager or, or you know the person that does all the maintenance in the mm-hmm. town or whatever or your council, and maybe you can plant a tree down one of the boulevards of, of or in the park or whatever yeah, and, dedicate a tree. and dedicate a tree and you can always go back to that town you know many years down the road and you have a legacy of something that you planted that father's day back in you know 2022 or how many um, fruit trees did we plant around the community garden just a few weeks yes. ago yeah exactly so just even around a community garden in the city we planted a bunch of apple trees and plum trees yeah. and pear trees so things that the community can now use and you're doing a whole part of with the environment and carbon capture and everything else it's it's the it's the end thing to do yeah a way to help everybody and have something cool that you did together and this is the year of the garden in canada so it's all part about doing things in the garden and doing things in the yard so it's all part of that and uh and getting out and enjoying it and um planting some planting a plant it's a very much a multi-generational like activity Mm -hmm. that you can do you don't you can be old you can be young and uh seeing my kids even um, dig up potatoes at the end of the season and getting so excited and almost fighting over who gets to dig <laughs> the potatoes up. It's really exciting to see that. And then they get to go and make french fries out of them later. Yeah. And uh, yeah, So yeah. why didn't they eat their mashed potatoes last night? Well, Bo did, but <laughs> <laughs> the rest of them did not. Fries is usually an easy sell for kids. <laughs> uh, we have a few texts that we can get to here. If you have a question, give us a call or a text. It's the same number, one eight seven seven. 332-8255. We'll start off with Linda in Saskatoon. When can I take my crop cover off of onions? Did it to try and stop magnets? Maggots, Mag- I'm going to guess. Um, enjoy your show. Yeah, so we're getting very close to the time because the, the onions will grow up. The, the, you're using the white fabric, so it's letting light through and moisture through. So right now you're probably. I'd I'll, leave it a couple more I, weeks. I would. I would wait until July. July the first, anyways. Okay. And then by that time the flies have checked out someplace else, and then you should be good to go. So maybe wait till Canada Cause, Day. Because everything was a bit huh. later this year. That's yeah, why. Sometimes yeah. Sometimes you'll see like the little yellow butter or moss or butterflies yeah. flying mm-hmm. around. You want to leave it on for those two. That, that's so. for cabbages yeah. and that kind of stuff. But yeah. usually that's kind of a telltale good sign. Telltale. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, um, we have a question from Bob in Saskatoon. While listening about watering and powdery mildew, my thought is about uh, nightmare rains. If we, sh- I'm going to assume it means nighttime. Um, yep. If we should not let water sit on the tomatoes, how do we manage it when it rains all night long? Do, uh, quit doing your rain dance, you know. But, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> we but need it we sometimes. Need, we need the rain, <laughs> so the rain is good. I mean, but yeah, it is going to. You have to watch, making sure that you plant your plants farther enough away so you get air movement around your plants mm-hmm. and it's not too tight. That's a big one. Uh, and if you do get uh, start getting a lot of rain, where you get water every night on your on your plants, you just have to watch and you have to use things like garden sulfur. A product called Three and One, which uh, has sulfur in it, and also uh, it's, it's, uh, 
an insecticidal soap in it, so it helps to keep that. Also, you can just use a, a milk and water. Really? And you mix them together. The, the protein, protein in, the, oh, in the milk okay. will help keep away that powdery mildew as well. So Now, one thing to remember is when it rains, it's not raining consistently every night like mm-hmm. that. Sometimes we'll have a, a pocket of time where yep. it's like yeah. that. So it's more the routine that you're doing. You're not doing it routinely every night. You've got, so your, you you got your timer on at 10 o'clock every night. <laughs> yeah. Right? So if you're watering your tomatoes um, every night, you're eventually going to get mildews on them. Mm-hmm. Same with my petunia plants, those types of things. But if it rains like once every two to three weeks mm-hmm. um, and it, it downpours on my plants or even for three days, it's not doing that all the time. Yeah. Just watch your watering outside yeah, of the rain. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. All right. We have a question from Arlene in Saskatoon. Can you plant hibiscus in the ground or just in a pot outside? Um, with the hibiscus, they are a tropical house plant so um, that you can put outside in the summer here in our climate. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure your nighttime temperatures is 10 degrees. You can put them outside. You can put them in the ground, but if you do put them in the ground, I would dig a nice big hole, probably about two to three times the size of the pot, and then backfill it with some nice light garden, like almost like potting soil in there. Okay. Um, you will find because um, it will just dry more evenly top to bottom um, than maybe a nice it, garden it, soil would. Then you have to have a nice size pot to plant it in for the wintertime to bring it inside, right? Mm-hmm. You know, debug it and everything else and yeah. bring it inside because it will not survive the winter here. You will yeah. find that also if you have it in a pot, you're not taking it through that transplant shock of pulling it out every year mm-hmm. and bringing it in. So sometimes even if you wanted to put it in the ground, I'll keep it in a pot and dig that pot into the ground. Okay. And then when it's easier to take yep. it out and bring it into the, inside the house. So that's probably what my suggestion would be. Now with a hibiscus plant, I sometimes will defoliate them in the wintertime. So they tend to get spider mite and, and aphids on them. So if you take all the foliage off, spray them well, um, and then they kind of look ugly throughout the, the winter season. Yep. But that's okay. <laughs> and, um, just fertilize them well and then uh, get them and, going and again. And don't bring them back in the house with any buds or flowers on. Pick mm-hmm. them all off. Because oh. that's where the insects will be, especially around the buds and flowers yeah and then they'll produce new ones put it in the full sun you know in the side of the house again in the fall and then it'll reproduce those flowers again yeah it'll look nice eventually just yep. might have to go through a yeah. bit of a but as to answer her question <laughs> i would i wouldn't dig it right into the ground i dig the pot into the ground or have it sitting in a pot above ground all right perfect um we have a question from clark in regina what type of grass seed is best for overseeding apache lawn in regina in Regina, just uh, basically as long as it's sunny, just use a Canada number one mixed grass seed. That's all you want to use. That's what most of the people, even the turf farms, not use that. So make sure you can put, but make sure you rake your grass really well first to get the, some of the thatch up. Then when you put the seed down, rake it again so the so the the seed is not just sitting on top of the thatch. It's actually touching the topsoil. Otherwise, you get a hot day, and, and this, if it germinates just in that, that thatch, mm-hmm. then it's just going to wither up and dry because there's no roots into the actual soil. Now, Regina has lots of big trees, so if they have a shady area. This area then you can buy a, either sunshade mix, or you can buy, if it's really sh- shady, then get a, a, a shade blend. And there's even a dense shade blend of grass seed, too, okay. if you've got a big-time canopy. You know, you're in part of the town where there's just big elm trees around. That's all there is. So you mm-hmm. want to use a dense shade. Brand. So you want to use different types of grass seed for different areas. And it will blend together pretty good. And uh, But you definitely... But the biggest thing is make sure your prep work is done. You've raked sure, it, yeah. maybe put a little bit of topsoil, sprinkle that in, and then water it well. Yeah. And if it's really hot, just put a layer of peat moss over top, and then that'll just keep the moisture there. 
Perfect. We will get to more of your uh, questions and your texts and calls uh, after a quick news break. You can give us a call or a text anytime at one 332 This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. Good morning, guys. We've made it to hour two. Hour two. That one fast. <laughs> oh, really fast. We have uh, lots of text to get to. We have a call to get to. But if you have a question, you can give us a call or text at one 332 8255 We'll start off with Paul waiting on the line through the news here. He's from Saskatoon. Good morning, Paul. What's your question? Uh, good morning, you guys. Good um, morning. I'm surprised no one's mentioned anything about the heat yesterday. Yeah, it was warm. Yeah. Well, it was a toasty one, yep. yep. <laughs> it was warm. It was so. I love the heat, though. Well, it's, so, it's what makes everything grow. I mean, exactly. we were looking at the riverbank, and since last weekend, it's amazing how many things came out and flower and more leaves and everything else. Just And if we get a thunder and lightning storm today, that would, that's our natural fertilizer, yep. too. Ooh. Yep, beautiful. I'm looking forward to it. There you go. Um, I'm, my question is about fertilizing here. Yep. Uh, you know, around, like, I do, I do the groundskeeper. I put that all around my trees, you know, around the drip yep. line and stuff like yep. that. But with my apple trees, I, I also feed them fish fertilizer and, uh, I do the, the tea. Yep. Um, should I be watering around the drip line first? Before I put in put in my fertilizers for for like better penetration because I'm finding it's running away from. Yep, you'll get better. Pen- One thing you want to do is that you never want to fertilize a bone dry soil. Okay, that actually will burn the roots. Hmm. So you want to make sure your your soil has moisture in to begin with, and then you can fertilize. Okay, right after that again. So that's the bigger thing. Otherwise, if you have some, like I said, if it will penetrate better. If, and also make sure when you're fertilizing, just um, just also turn your your flow. If you have one of those uh, fertilizer applicators that fit in the end of a hose, or you're doing with a with a with a watering can, watering can, just yeah, yeah w- water slowly. Put half of it on as you're as you're walking around the tree. You know, walk around twice instead of once. You know, yeah. And then that way it'll have time to soak in and penetrates better and not run away as well. So um, uh, that's that's just a better way, but. Uh, yeah, with with your apple trees and that, you probably can, now that you've done uh, some, your fish fertilizer, your other fertilizer, you can probably now quit your fertilizing on your fruit trees. And uh, because now if you've done, them, they, if you give them too much nutrients, they just don't want to produce, especially next year, if they're just doing too tickety-boo and being really good, okay? Okay. Yeah, um, if I can just um, squeeze something else in here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a couple of years ago, I found that I have uh, a plum tree. Well, there's actually four in a row, mm-hmm. and it's the old-style plums, yep. you know. Um, now, those should those be fertilized on the um, drip line also, yep. or can I get closer into the nope. into the base? All, all trees, well, all of them, and if they have a good canopy, you notice how when it rains, it's drier underneath the tree, right? So the leaves, yep. all the water gets shed to the outside. And that's where the feeder roots and all the moisture roots that will take moisture in is right there. So if it's a wide open tree where the rain just falls through, then it's not as critical. 
But for most uh, denser trees, uh, it's critical to put all that water and nutrients at the drip line because that's where the feeder roots are. There's just yeah. right close to the trunk. There's just these big, thick roots that don't have all this fibrous root system on them. That and so you're just basically wasting fertilizer there. Yeah, since since I found out what it was, I've been feeding it and looking after it, and it's just exploded now. Perfect. Yeah, it's, it was like a spindly little thing at, it was, in the beginning. It was calling out to you. Feed me, <laughs> feed me. <laughs> you have a great day. Thank you so much for your time, you guys. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. All right, we're going to go to the text line. Remember, you can give us a call or text at uh, all one number, one 332 8255 This is coming from Rose in Saskatoon. Anything we can do to help a large, established linden recover from extensive sap sucker damage? We have burlap wrapped the trunk, prune painted the holes, hung up shiny things to deter them, uh, for the last two years, but damage happened about three years ago. Yep. Leaves have come back gradually, but are still really thin. Yeah. So basically, yeah, just keep it, keep the nutrient level up. So get some growth happening and hopefully you'll get some cells that will, that as a tree grows, will, will, um, will get new spots where the sap can go up the tree. That, that's critical and, and keep it up because all it takes is another year of the sap suckers come back. Now, Aaron, you have an advantage every morning over Ooh. everybody because, <laughs> Cause because I wake up cause you five wake up. hours before dawn. <laughs> <laughs> you get up really early every morning to come into the radio I show. Do. And that's when the sap suckers are there. Oh, okay. So you can go out there and just bang your tin can. <laughs> you know, neighbors might not like you, but you keep the sap suckers <laughs> away. But, um, but yeah, putting that, that scare crow owl out there, but you have to move it around, you know, because mm-hmm. in the mornings at that time in the morning, when the sun's just coming up, there's not much wind movement. Yeah. So even the bobbleheads don't, move as much right because the bobblehead owl is the best one for for uh, for getting rid of those because actually their head moves a bit but of course when it's dead calm that time in the morning it's not moving so that's why you have to move that that deterrent scarecrow around quite a bit so and it's mainly in the spring mm-hmm. when they're when they're doing the migration through is when they're the worst okay so uh, they aren't as bad in the summertime because then they turn into ground thrashers out in the summertime and they're going after beetles and bugs and everything else in your in your in your um, mulch beds mm-hmm. and they're flipping it up looking for bugs down there but it's in the spring when the saps are going up in the tree yeah that's when they're going after that mm-hmm. okay Okay. Um, this one is from Colleen in Frontier in the southwest corner of the province. I have three tree form hydrangea. Two have leaves all the way to the top. Only uh, One only has growth or leaves coming from the bottom and on the stalk. Should I cut it down? There's a second part of the question, but we'll start there. Okay, wait. Well, first <laughs> of all, yeah, just... Take your pruners and nick the nick the branches. There, there doesn't take much. You can use you, you on the hydrangea. You can use your fingernail even. Mm-hmm. Wherever's brown, you can trim down to where it meets the green. Okay. So you can start at the top, uh, work your way down with your pruners or whatever. If it's brown, cut. Keep working away. Brown, cut, cut. And then when green, leave it and make the cut just just above just just to where the green meets the brown. Okay. And then the second part of the question. Um, if I do end up having to cut them down at all, will I get the hydrangea bush or what will I have? What do you suggest that I do? Oh, she's cutting it right down at the base on the yeah. hydrangea well, tree. Is it a grafted or is it not? Most of them are, are, are pruned up to tree form. Okay. So you'll still have the same tree on most of them. Uh, there is a few grafted varieties, but on the hydrangea, most time they've just been trained up. 
Okay. So if they are, then if she cuts so then, it at the bottom, so she's the, gonna get a bush. So then you get a cut at the bottom, you'll get a bush, and but you can train, stake up a new new leader up again, and okay. then then get your bush up the top, and get it to form the way you want to. Or you can again. braid a few of them together, and maybe get like a little braided yeah, form, like what we do with forms. the hibiscus. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, just change it up a little bit. Change exactly. it up. Um, we're gonna take one more hydrangea question really quick, and then we'll go to a, uh, a break here. This is from Lorna in Grandora. Is it okay to plant a PG hydrangea on the south side about eight feet from the house? Uh, eight feet's not too bad. Uh, PG hydrangea is one of the, t- one of the tougher ones, just like Annabelle. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried on my side of the house because I love hydrangeas yeah. and I didn't have tree cover and so they yeah, just The fried. problem is reflection <laughs> off the house in the wintertime. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what's critical about the south side because even the, even off the glass eight feet away, mm-hmm. the sun, when it's that low, it reflects off the glass and then, and then desiccates even your grass you'll notice yeah. a lot of times on the south side so that's where it becomes a problem so use mics when you're transplanting yeah, them. otherwise you can do is for the winter time i mean you have to look at the uh, put some stakes in the ground and mm-hmm. put some burlap up leave the top open so snow can fall in but you're just stopping that that reflection of of the of the sun mm-hmm. so that your bark of your plant is not going hot cold and cold at night and hot in the daytime and it's that transition that's given them a problem on the south side. And keeping them hydrated as they're growing too, because that's yep. something I went away for a few weeks and came back and mine were toast. Yep. <laughs> Not having a great time. No. A great time. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to answer more of your questions on Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning and happy Father's Day. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyke to answer all of your gardening questions. And what better day to kind of do the, do the to-do list? It's not as hot as yesterday. You're getting a bit of a break from the heat and a little bit of rain this morning. Yep, a little bit of rain is great for the crops. Exactly. Right? We have lots of texts to get to, but we would love to hear from you this morning. You can give us a call or text at one 332 8255. Uh, we will start off with uh, this one. No name on this one. Uh, Valiant grapevine. New mm-hmm. leaves are curling up and drying. It's about a two-year-old plant. Okay. So if they're curling up and drying, watch your moisture. Okay. Always check the soil down about six inches down with the grapes and just see whether it's wet or dry. That's the first thing I want to do. Okay. Do grapes like it wet or dry? They like it just moist. Okay. So, um, and that's why, you know, they like the tops hot. But you'll notice that if you ever go to the Okanagan or mm-hmm. wherever and go check out the the, you know, the 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 grapes once they're in the glass, right? Yes, <laughs> when you in go the to glass. Cologne. That's a very nice way of saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, but otherwise, you'll see the plants are all on the hillsides, right? And they're mm-hmm. facing a certain direction, so the sun comes over them all. But then they have drip irrigation on them. And so they're hot tops, and they make sure the moisture is the right level down below. So you just want to moist. And so watch for that, and um, uh, because when it's hot like this, they dry out really quick. And so, but if they also cup, it could mean that you have some insects. Okay. Uh, but they said they dry. They usually, they don't dry right up though, and mm-hmm. that's why we would check the moisture first. Uh, the other one is uh, watch for, um, like I said, watch for the cupping, and that then you might see some aphids or some leaf hoppers inside there. And uh, if it's leaf hoppers, best thing to do is get them in the evening. Because uh, you got to want to watch right now because a lot of them are flowering right now. Okay. So you don't want to spray during the day because yeah. the bees are around, right? And you don't want to. And you want those. You want those. <laughs> you definitely want those. So you have to do them in the evening when the bees are sleeping. So that's what you have to watch for. Okay. Okay. Um, we have a question from Colin in Manor. Uh, we just planted a bunch of Colorado spruce saplings about two weeks ago. 
Is it okay to fertilize them, or are they too small for that? Colorado spruce, you said? Yes. Okay, so is it too early to fertilize them? If you want to use a fertilizer, then I would use a like a root booster type fertilizer. Okay. So that's that's that would help to get the root system established right now. You don't want to use a 30-10-10 or something with a high nitrogen right now. Mm-hmm. You just want to get the root system established. So, so, so root boosting a high phosphorus. Yeah, it's a higher phosphorus, but it actually does not even higher phosphorus. Root booster has only a 15 phosphorus, mm-hmm. but it has an, an acid in it which makes the roots actually just go like crazy. Okay, so that's root booster is probably one of the better ones I would use for just a young plant like that. All right. Um, we have one from Glenis in Rolo. Uh, we have two Evans cherry trees that are probably 30 years old. This year, half of them are just dead. Uh, has it run its life cycle or is there something we can do to help it survive? Cherry tree? Yes. So normally what happens, the only time a cherry tree is getting in trouble is when you see oozing coming out of the stems. Okay. And then it has a virus. Okay. Then you need to trim that part out and they'll suck her up and start again. Okay, but other than that, they sh- they should last for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. But you can do regular pruning on your cherry oh, trees, you and that will yeah. produce new growth, which will get you more cherries all, as all well. All fruit trees, okay. you should be doing regular pruning. I always do it the first week of April every year, okay. or the last week of March, depending on when the snow has disappeared enough that I can get in there and prune. Uh, but you should be pruning those every year. And, and there's a great fertilizer by a company called Evolve, and it's for berries. It's and called fruit and berry. It's and, awesome. And it works good because it gives all those other micronutrients like boron and magnesium mm. and zinc and calcium. And it's organic. And it's organic, and the, the, the those type of plants love that. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Locally made. Even better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they're wondering, too, should they be cutting off the uh, the what appears to be dead, or should they just maybe do that test yeah, do to see test. if it's okay? Yeah, if it's dead, always cut off any dead branches when you see them because that just otherwise it just attracts insects, and you don't want more insects or or fungal growing disease, and that's yeah. so disease. So always trim them off anytime you see. Doesn't matter the time of the year. Mm-hmm. If it's dead, it's dead. Prune it off. Okay, perfect. Um, we have a question about hydrangeas. I have a huge hydrangea, probably approaching four feet high and wide. I cut heads off for winter and bury it full in, oh, Mulch. full in snow. Yep. <laughs> uh, once ground on thawing in the spring, I start watering well, a couple gallons a few weeks apart. Then patience required uh, to wait for the leaves. I also have mine on drip for the summer and fertilize regularly. It seems to be working well. There you I go. Love success love stories. Success. Yeah. There you go. You know so what? many hydrangea One thing lovers. great about gardening is that there is no real one answer. Yeah. There's some of the, the best practices, but I mean, every yard is different. Mm-hmm. People have to remember that. Every yard is different, whether it's even your front yard to backyard. One side of the yard to the other side, because one side of the yard against the fence that gets sun, the other side is shaded, you know? So remember that your your yard is always different. So once you find a practice that works for you. Sunlight, water, yep. fertilizer. Yep. Give them those things and you will yep. be successful. Yep. Exactly. Sometimes just a bit of trial and error, but it mm-hmm. sounds like they've figured out the, the yep. perfect mix. Yeah, and, <laughs> and an answer in Prince Albert compared to down in Estevan is going to be two different things as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so success. Oh, I love that. I love it <laughs> it's always you... good when you hear something good. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, Julie in Battleford is wondering, uh, is miracle Grow all-purpose 24-8-16 fertilizer really okay for tomatoes? Um, it's a little bit high in the nitrogen okay. um, for for tomatoes. So, um, and the only thing about that is that it doesn't 
that miracle doesn't have calcium. It doesn't have any micronutrients in it. Okay. Okay. So just using that straight one, it just has NPK. But that Nitrogen. one is perfect for your bedding plants and yep. your annuals and, and your, your shrub, vegetative okay. plants. And your, and your shrubs and trees mm -hmm. works good for that. But a lot of your vegetables, I would tend to want to use more of one that has calcium. And especially for your tomato, your vegetables is that uh, be consistent in your watering. That's keep the moisture level. When it's this hot, don't go wet, dry, wet, mm -hmm. dry, wet, dry, wet, dry. Try to be consistent. So sticking, you know, you got to have a brown thumb sometimes. You got to stick your <laughs> finger into the soil and sure. get a brown to find out what the water is. So that a the green top thumb is green. and a brown finger. Brown finger. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have Perry from Weyburn. Um, I have a cabin at Porcupine Plain area. Just wondering what type of shrubs are suited for that area, seeing that the winters are a little cooler and there's more snow. Well, the snow is perfect for a lot of plants. So, I mean, what shrubs will do good there? Um, most of your um, nine barks will do fine there. If you want color, um, if you're, if you can go some of the spireas, more like the tor spirea or the birch leaf spirea, will do really well up there. Uh, some of your gold ones won't do as well because, mm -hmm. but if there's good snow cover, they'll do fine as well. Uh, you can do things like the cranberries will do fine. Um, all of them, there's dwarf ones and tall ones. Uh, if you want, you can plant um, even just a contoniaster bush and it gives you the bright orange-red color in the fall, just planting as a single plant instead of a hedge. If you're uh, going out and checking those tags, make sure you're looking for a zone two is yep. what you're okay. looking for. Um, up in those northern areas, if you see a zone three or zone yep. four, it might be a little bit more of a tricky one and you might need to mulch more, but look for that zone two. Okay. If you want a globe look, okay, like a little globe cedar look, yeah. put a globe carrigan in. It'll get about four feet tall. And the deer won't eat it, like, or the rabbits won't eat it like crazy either. So, I mean, there's which lots, is always a challenge. Yeah, <laughs> so there's lots of plants you can use like that, and uh, and they'll do just fine up there. And there's lots of fruit plants you can use a plant with a purpose, a gooseberry, a currant, you know, a hascap. Mm -hmm. There's a whole bunch of plants that will do well up there as well. So there's lots of options. Just yep. kind of depends what uh, what you're looking yep, for. Exactly. All right. Um, we have one more uh, quick one from Mary in Yorkton. Our flowering plum does not have blossoms this year. Is it because of the drought or stress? Can I trim them at this time uh, yes. and will they be okay? That's a good question. Very good question because uh, right now if you didn't get, so you probably had some damage or something happened during the wintertime. Uh, so what you want to do is you want to, normally you double flowering plums you want, or lilacs, you always prune after they finish blooming. Okay. Because then what they do, then you fertilize, they put new growth on, and they'll bloom on that, that old wood next year. Okay, they don't bloom on, like hydrangeas, bloom on new wood. Mm -hmm. So you prune them in the spring, new growth comes up, it blooms. But double flowering plum bloom on last year's wood. So give them a pruning right now, and then, uh, because now double flowering plums are all done blooming, and so now you're going to trigger it, fertilize it, it'll put some growth on and then hopefully we have a good winter and then you have tons of blooms next year. All right, perfect. We are going to take a quick break for news and then we'll get to Gene uh, on the phone line in Bigger. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning and happy Father's Day. Thanks for joining us this Sunday morning for Garden Talk. We've had Gene waiting on the line through the break for us, so we won't make them wait any longer. Good morning, Gene. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Hi. Um, we had some heavy winds the other day, and I took part of my branch off my apple tree. Mm -hmm. And when we took the rest of it off, the split was full of ants. Is there something I could do about that? 
Yeah, what you can use is uh, you can spray into the wherever the, the crevice is, uh, just Dr. Doom. Dr. Doom, it's, it's, a, it's a pyrethrin, which is like a, comes from the chrysanthemum, basically, and you spray it in there. As soon as the ants cross it, it'll basically, uh, it will, they, will, they get paralyzed and they die. Okay. So, now, this was a fairly big branch, so will yeah. the rest of my apples survive the season? Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's hard to say unless I actually see the tree, but most times you're okay. Okay. Oh, Just okay. make sure you, you, you clean up that cut so it's not ragged, it's nice and clean. And if it okay. went right into the main trunk, you just want to kind of take your your utility knife or even a chisel and make it so that you don't have little crevices where water sits in. Okay. And let it dry for two weeks and then and then if it's not raining or something like that, then take a pruning paint and then spray it to protect the wood, okay? If it's a big open wound. Oh yes, okay. it is. Yep. Okay, that's great. Okay. Thank you very much. You're Thank welcome. you, Jean. Okay, bye-bye. Bye now. We have lots of texts to get to, but you still have time to give us a call or text in at one 332 8255 This one is coming from Darcy in North Battleford. I have a bunch of large pine trees that have suffered severe spider mite damage. Can I or should I trim the dead branches off of the branches closer to the trunk that I can get at? Yep. I notice there is a bit of new growth on some of these branches. Yeah, if there's new growth, just leave them. Okay. Yeah, absolutely, because they'll push out new growth out of them. So that's why you do the little nick test, you know, with your pruners. Mm-hmm. If it's green underneath, they still push out new growth. If it's totally brown, they're not going to push growth out. You can trim them off. Just make sure when you cut them next to the trunk, what's important is don't leave a stub because that little stub will rot right back into the main trunk. Okay. You want to look at the collar. There's a collar right against the trunk. It's like little, it looks a little like ripply, ripply little uh, nodule at, at, and you want to cut it uh, from the top. You want to cut it down on an angle away from the trunk at the bottom. And so if you want, Google it. That's the best way. Mm-hmm. And you can actually see some pictures yeah. of how to do a, a major cut on a branch, you know, on a pine tree or an apple tree or whatever, right close to the trunk. And then you get, then you get a visual of what it's supposed to look like. But uh, there is a certain way you want to prune when you're up against the trunk like that, definitely. And keeping your tree healthy is so important. So yep. make sure you're watering it and fertilizing yep. it. Mm-hmm. Um, for a spider yep. mite damage, that's the best thing yep. you can do. Yep. All right. The healthier the tree, the less interested well, bugs are. Especially when we had the drought last year, where the spider yes. mites are so bad. And so the plant just couldn't keep up with, this plant, with, the, with the sucking going on the insects and no mm-hmm. water from the rain, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, so yeah, as long as there's water, the plants can keep up to the insects. It's not a problem. Okay. Um, we have lots of questions about trees today, so we're going to take another one. Um, this one is from Colleen in Belcaris. Just wondering what type of fertilizer is best to use on fruit trees. Fruit trees, yeah, that fruit and berry. is uh, It's formulated for, for them, so it's not giving them too much nitrogen, so that they'll, because if they give them too much nitrogen, they'll say, I'm doing really good and I don't need to produce. Mm-hmm. It's when they have a little bit of stress, that's when they want to produce more fruit because they're trying to reproduce themselves because they think they're in trouble. Mm-hmm. But you want to give them... To keep the plant healthy, you want to keep them all the calcium and boron, magnesium, and a little bit of nitrogen, a little bit of phosphorus, a little potassium. And that's why you want to use things like the, the fruit and berry. Uh, there's a couple of formulations, one by Dirt and Grow and one by Home and Garden Excellence. Uh, either one of them work really well. 
Mm-hmm. All right, perfect. Um, this one says, I was wondering about trimming lilac trees. Should I be cutting off the dead blooms? Yes, def- definitely. And just even take a little bit of the tips of the branches with them as well. So, and then give them some fertilizer and get them to new growth. And you'll have twice as many blooms next year. So always bloom lilacs after they finish blooming. After they, right okay. after they finish blooming. Just give and them a trim. And if it's a hot day or a cool day, should, does it matter? Not really. It's, uh, it's I like, I do. I, for myself, I don't like being out there when it's really hot. Sure. <laughs> so, so <laughs> Gardener in, preference. <laughs> early morning or uh, or in the afternoon it's it, or later in the evening, it's perfect and uh, for yourself as well. But uh, right now, the lilacs will definitely bloom way better next year if you give them a pruning now. All right. Um, lots of fertilizer questions starting to come in. So we have this one from Monica in Saskatoon. Does wa- rainwater replace 20-20-20 fertilizer or should they still be fertilized when using rainwater? Yeah, rainwater is good. It does have lots of natural nutrients in it. But you, but if you want lots of growth, if you're trying to produce lots of growth, get lots of shrubs growing or trees growing, you will need to use some more 20-20-20 or if it's vegetables, uh, the rainwater is good, but you still will need to supplement a bit of nutrients uh, like your vegetative petunias or, or, or potato vines, Jill. Like how much nutrients do they take? Twice a week almost. Yeah. And yeah. I sometimes will add a slow-release fertilizer and then I'll fertilize on top of that as well too. Um, they're very aggressive growers. And the soils that we have right yep. now, we're watering so frequently, yes. especially in yep. pots and in raised beds and in gardens. There's lots of runoff. So those nutrients are also running off as well. So feeding your plants is so, so important. We can't stress that enough on this show. Just think at the end of the year, you take your pots, out of, your plants out of your container and there's mm. just one massive root ball, right? <laughs> and so you can think of there's right now that's happening right now and so all those roots just and there's no no not much soil in there anymore and so they just need some nutrients to to look like they did when you first got them out of the garden center you need to feed them yeah right um this one is coming from barry in the kindersley area we have some pontillas uh growing under a large spruce tree with west exposure they have never done well when should i move them Uh, move them in in any time in april right as soon as as soon as the as soon as the frost is out of the ground okay they will never do well there. The roots have grown right into the, from the spruce tree have grown right into the root system of the potentilla. Okay. So uh, they will just never do well there because they're just being sucked dry. And then there's not as much sunlight either. So, um, and, and also the spruce tree stealing all the nutrients. So it's just a bad spot. Just if you want to plant anything underneath the spruce tree, just mulch it and put a container underneath there and grow some begonias or some impatience or something like that if you want color. That's the best way in a container. Now, potentillas, I remember always having those yellow ones that we used to take yep. cuttings out of the farm, yep. but now there's some beautiful colors of potentillas. Oh, yeah. There's some apricot colors and some blush pink ones, and they almost look like a mini wild roses growing yeah, on these plants. So there's so many unique varieties that maybe before yep. you're like, oh, I don't really like potentillas. They seem mm-hmm. like a kind of an old... Yep fashion shrub they're coming up with some new varieties that actually look quite fun and modern really good yeah it's worth taking a look and Mm -hmm. seeing what what's different than what you might remember now when she moves that potentilla next spring cut it halfway down 50 percent okay and then move it and then it'll just watch it let's go lots of new growth yeah wow i got a new spot i'm (laughs) growing and i'm just gonna take off it'll get some sun and a bit more uh, nutrients and it'll be good to go (laughs) um we're gonna take one more text here before we go to a quick break this is from chad in melfort What's the best fungicide, fungicide to spray on spruce trees? Uh, copper spray or Bordeaux is another Bordeaux. name for it. Okay. Is, um, that's the best all around, especially for, it'll, for needle cast disease or any of those kind of things. Yeah, Bordeaux or copper spray, that another name for it, is, that's what you should be using. 
Okay. And you could do it every, if you have a problem with them, uh, three times, 14 days between springs. Okay. So and use a hose end sprayer and yeah. put, a, put on your hose, mix the wettable powder in there. If it's, if it's a go. 30 foot spruce tree you're trying to get, then the best way to do is you mix up a, a 80, 80 liter garbage pail okay. with some, some, some copper spray. And then what you do is you put a submersible pump into it and with a garden hose attached to it and feed it into your pressure washer. It's where your normal place you hook up the hose, mm-hmm. not your soap dispenser, but where you know it sucks up hose, but right into your water, and then you turn on your pump and you turn on your sprayer, and it'll put a nice mist and go right into the tree. Mm-hmm. If you got a nice tall tree, that's the best way to do it, especially on a non-windy day. A non-windy, yes, <laughs> and especially if you got an acreage and you just can't get a hose to you know to spray a tree properly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just now you can put it on a wagon or the back of your half-ton truck. You can put your your little generator to run your pump and and a gas-powered uh, pressure washer, and you just go to it. And off you go. Yep. All right, perfect. We will get to more of your questions after a quick break. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning. We're back with our very last segment of Garden Talk for the week. It went by really quickly. Yeah, hopefully everybody's enjoying as they're taking the car ride out for Father's Day brunch right yeah. now. Yeah. Do I know I, that pancakes are ready for yeah, you I as know. soon as we get there. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Itch him to get out Butter, of here. <laughs> buttermilk pancakes, here I come. <laughs> well, we won't keep you too much longer. We're going to do a bit of a, a rapid fire with the text line here. Um, we have a text from Merle in the Aneroid area. I planted two apple trees last year. One didn't survive the winter, but the other did. Yep. The one that survived leafed out well this spring, but now the leaves seem dry and most are fringed with dry brown material. Planted south of Swift Current, about 36 miles from the U.S. border. Okay. Yeah, that's a tough spot because you get the Chinooks and you get yeah. warm weather in, in, in the wintertime. So hopefully you didn't... The biggest thing you will watch down there is sun skull, okay? And so what I would suggest you do is that for the wintertime, put a, what's called a tree wrap around the trunk. It's a white wrap. It's probably about uh, three inches wide. Okay. And then you just spiral it around, wrap it around the trunk. And then in the spring, in May, you take it off. Okay. Beginning of May. Uh, then you won't get that sun's calling. It's white in color, so it reflects the sun. And so what happened, I think, is you had some bark damage, and so the leaves came out, and then the bark was so damaged that once the leaves get bigger, the tree can't sustain the, the, the leaves. So you may have lost both of them. Okay. Um, so you may have to replace them, but if you're going to do that, put the tree trunk around until the tree gets older and that old bark on the tree, mm-hmm. you don't have to do it anymore. But when the bark is young... You will have to put that tree guard on there, especially down that far south where you do we get those Chinooks through the wintertime, and uh, that's what's getting them. Okay. Um, we have a caller on the line. This is Mike from Watson. Good morning, Mike. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Okay. Uh, probably a simple one for you, but uh, not so simple for me. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not... I'm not um, um, used to growing a garden. My wife always looked after that. And I, But since she's not here now, I tried to grow cabbage and little moss came in. I didn't think too much of it, but yep. uh, they, I don't know what they did, but in about two weeks, my cabbage was gone. Yep. So this year, I bought kohlrabi, thinking that uh, maybe I'll uh, have better luck with that. Nope. And I was told that it belongs to the same family yep. as cabbage. Same, same problem. So what you need to do is you need to next time grab um, a product called Row Cover, and it's a light white fabric that lets the sun and the rain through, but it's going to cover cover your your cabbage and your kohlrabi. It's, and some come with little hoops. Yeah, like, like little, almost like a little, little mini, mini greenhouse. Mini greenhouse. 
oh, and yeah, you can okay. put that over your row and make sure that you hold the sides down with rocks or or bricks or or yeah. something like that to hold them down so that the the flat the moss, moss can't get in there and eat your cabbage yeah. or the windstorms don't come and blow your your fabric away either. So. Oh no, I I can I can weigh it down. Yeah. Okay, so so kohlrabi is in the same family yeah. as cabbage, and yeah. the, the moths like it as well. The moths will like any of those leafy vegetables. So okay. if you're gonna do leafy vegetables, um, even some of the herbs too, you and lettuce, all those types of things, make sure that you're putting buying some row cover. It's actually not that expensive, and I use it as um, as a frost blanket and as you, well, too. And you could use it year after year after year. Good. Okay. okay. Well, thank, thanks for that advice. Okay. I'll, um, I'll, I'll do that. Okay. Good thank luck. You. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, you bet. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. We have a question from Ian in Warman. I started 30 broccoli plants from seed and grew them to very healthy 5-inch plants with good ball and hardened them off well. After putting them in the ground, they settled in well with some good growth, but with the winds, they seem to be flopping over. Should I put them in deeper in the ground when transplanting? I was afraid of stem rot. No, usually with the broccoli, you want to plant them at the same surface level they are. They're not going to get the roots, roots, um, stem, stem roots that the tomato plants would. Okay. Um, but, uh, what you can do is if, if they are doing that, you can always put like a little cozy coat or something like that around them. If you're finding that you have a very high wind area, um, you can, you can definitely do that. Um, or some stakes with some burlap attached to the stakes, whatever, just to make a little windbreak or something like that. Yeah, you can definitely do that. But, um, Oh, the other thing too is when you're growing your plants, um, making sure that you, uh, take those covers off and uh, make sure your plants are nice and short and, and sturdy when mm-hmm. they're starting off as seedlings is really important too. We call them nice and nice and Gucci plants. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and that will definitely help and, them get and, a good start. And using a good organic type of fertilizer so that you got all those other nutrients in there to make your stems more stronger, you know, and not yeah. so. And then when you're when you're getting with your fertilizer, you want to make sure that you're not using something with a high phosphorus fertilizer in it because that's going to actually cause your plants to stretch, stretch more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so watch that as well. All right. We have uh, Violet in Maple Creek. Good morning, Violet. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Hi. Um, I'm asking Christian about my Saskatoons. I've the first is the first year the Saskatoons are just loaded with berries on them. Yep. And I'm wondering if it's too late to do anything about them because my berries, when there's only a few every once in, like every, uh, sometimes once in a year, um, they get kind of yellow spots on them, sort yep. of a little hard spot on them, and then the berries are no good. Yep. So, so what I'm, I'm wondering if there's anything that a person should do about them. Yep, spray them with copper spray. Oh, copper spray. Yep, uh-huh. spray them right now. And yes. then spray them, uh, I would spray them, what's, uh, we're in June right now, right? So... So I'd spray them right now because we're far enough away from harvest, right? Yes. yes. And uh, if you want, you can spray them again in t- one, once more in 10 to 14 days. But then, 14. yeah, then uh, normally I like to spray them the first time after they finish blooming, when the berries are just starting to form, okay? That's when I'll do my first one. Uh-huh. Uh, but right now you don't want to get, you can go up to uh, probably about uh, uh, anywhere from three to five days before harvest. Uh-huh. That you want to do your last spring, okay? But okay. but if you spray one right now, you'll probably s- solve any of your problems you would have. Okay, thank you very okay. much. Okay. I uh, just wasn't quite sure what to spray on them. Yep, that'll work yep. perfect. Thanks, Violet. We've had over five inches of rain already till now, so oh yeah, wow. then, we were lucky. So anyway, thank you very much. Thanks, Good. Violet. Yeah, bye.
Okay. Yeah, really good. Five inches of rain. That's Yeah, perfect. that's not too bad this year. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have a few more texts that we'll get to on air here. This one is from Ivan in Emma Lake. We're up at the lake and have young cedars. They've been planted at the lakefront and continue to struggle, even though we covered them this winter. They still seem to get brown. Any suggestion for nutrients around the root, maybe? Yeah, you should have. Your pH should be... Your pH should be good. Make sure your pH is at around 6.5 to 7. That, that'll be key up there. Um, make sure that they're, they're in the fall, that they're moist. You're putting the wrapper on, which is good, because otherwise mm-hmm. the rabbits will eat them up there at Emma yeah. Lake. They'll just you forget one winter and there'll be nothing left. So make sure you wrap them. And then just right now, get the green back, you know, 30, 10, 10 every three weeks until july 15th from from when you open up the cabin in may until july the 15th uh 30 10 10 and then stop because i don't want to fertilize into late into september mm-hmm. because otherwise the plant won't shut down in time and then you'll have problems with burning as well all right um and that takes us to the end of the show for this week thank you so much for everyone that called and texted in and uh rick and jill will be back next week for more garden talk right here happy Happy father's Father's day Day. yeah happy father's day almost missed it (laughs) you're listening to garden talk on 650 ckom and 980 cjme